0: Welcome to The Concrete Conservative. This is WSQF 94.5. When, uh, when I thought about starting the show today, and you know it's Constitution Day, right? Yep. Ed tomorrow.
1: Vidal? Yep. Tomorrow is the 232nd anniversary of the adoption of the Constitution by the Constitutional Convention in Philadelphia.
0: Okay, that wasn't a, a ticket for you to just rant. Okay. <laughs> okay. Good. I wanted I wanted to start the show with something that really pissed me off, which is the Dolphin game yesterday. Okay.
1: What the Dolphins? They are going to become the first team to lose all their games after being the first team to go undefeated.
0: Okay. So I can't do my rant because I have a letter that I addressed to Steve Ross, but because you or you late. arranged the caller so immediately.
1: No, I said five ten. It's not even five yet.
0: This is the Concrete Conservative WSQF Blink Radio. Who do I have the pleasure to speak with? This
2: is
0: Chris Ann Hall. Chris Ann, how are you? I am
2: fantastic.
0: How are you? Uh, I don't know if the Constitution is—is is it still valid? It says that, Oh, because that says that Joe Biden is trying to get rid of it. Well, yeah, I'm
1: sure he is. Kamala, he, Her- Kamala he, Harris cited the uh, "we can't wait" clause.
0: Well. We came to the conclusion that uh, since Biden was around when it was signed, he could be the only one to repeal it, since he was there when it was signed. Is that correct or no? Oh well, you
2: know, um, the thing is, is it wasn't actually signed by people; it was ratified by states.
0: That's but right, Doug. I... So he couldn't do it
2: as a person. He would have to get a state, to ra- uh, you know, to vote to repeal it and to amend the Constitution. It takes three-quarters
0: of the states to agree. Oh, yeah, we had that conversation before, Mm, Article 5. Okay, so, Ed, what is... What are you going to take today? Because you're going to introduce your guest. We have a guest, uh, Chris Ann, here in the studio. uh, um,
1: Welcome to uh, WSQF 94.5 FM in Key Biscayne, which we say is your evacuation route from progressive nonsense. Uh, Today... In honor of Constitution Day, we are going to have three distinguished callers. But in the studio, we have Andreina Quisane, who is the founder of the Venezuelan-American Republican Alliance here in Miami. And I went to their initial meeting, and I found that they are thirsty for knowledge about the American Constitution. So, Chris-Ann, we thought you'd be the best first person to introduce some of the basic principles. What does the Constitution mean? Wow, like,
2: just flat-out basic, huh? This is for new Americans. (laughs) Can we start with
0: saying happy Constitution Week? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And she's taking notes, so don't get this wrong. But,
1: but Chrisanne, this is essential. We're getting all these immigrants. uh, uh, Andrena came lawfully, voluntarily. She came to work not to live off of welfare, but they have to be taught what it means to be an American, and the Constitution is an essential part of that. No, that's a challenge. Well,
2: you know, I think probably one of the most fundamental and basic things that we need to understand is that the Constitution is a contract between the states that creates the federal government. Right. Uh, and it creates, so the states are the creators of the federal government. And according to James Madison, the fourth president, and a, the
1: So what's happened?
0: a second wait a second wait a second you say it so nicely what you've erased the entire progressive movement that encouraged chaos because in their obsession with equality they guaranteed inequality and that's the chaos (laughs)
2: Explains why Mr. Of government
0: power. <laughs> that explains why Mr. Yang and uh, what's her name again? Uh our senator on the debate? The Kamala governor, Harris? No, the one that the <laughs> one that gave away free stuff. Lizzie Lizzie <laughs> yeah. the squawk. So people get free stuff from the government, they were the yeah. number one hits I mean, on their websites after the debate.
1: Yeah, you know, uh Chris Ann, I think you're right in in the 1830s uh Alexis de Tocqueville visited America and he rushed back because he was an independent scholar and he uh, wrote up all his notes and his first volume of his book Democracy in America was very optimistic. You know, the Americans had so much of so many independent associations, voluntary spirit, self-reliance. And then so he sold that book right away, but then 5 years later he he went back to his other notes and he got kind of pessimistic because he said when the people realize that they can vote themselves a pension, that was his word, a pension, a living, then they're going to start misusing their democratic powers. And I think, I'm afraid we're very close to that.
2: Yeah, oh, well, you know, I, I think that perhaps we may already have, you know, stepped over that, that boundary some time ago. Um because you know the it's the covetousness that that really can can expand government power. But there's a there's actually a, a an accomplice to that and that's the security uh, phantom. The idea that not only is it government's job to keep us safe, but it's even possible to have the government keep us safe. And so what we end up doing is selling what's impossible to achieve for the liberty that is supposed to be inherent and uh and and out of reach for government okay so so what we end up doing then is is you have people thinking you know hey we can fix this with more law right so everybody who runs with with the, the answer to the social problem being more law and the answer to the uh, society problem as government intervention these are the safety and security people and what that does unfortunately is it it threatens if not destroys the element of self-governance that america was was created with that actually distinguishes us from every other government in the world
0: okay so uh for our guest's sake, we're going to ask uh, ask her to ask you a couple of questions of what is most um, omnipresent about this country that completely baffles you, or something that you want to know more about?
3: Chris hi, Andros- hi, chris Ann, How are you? My name is Andrina Kisane from VARA, Venezuelan American Republican Alliance. It's my pleasure speaking to you. And thank you, Manny okay. and Ed, for having me here today. You got it. Of course. Um Christine I I'm really impressed you know I've been here uh for about 15 years in the United States I learned about the constitution I learned about political science as well as our history and I uh, I just really love how United States was able to to unite at some point when they were struggling like we are today in Venezuela and were able to put all these framers and made the constitution what it is today of course they went through a lot of trouble with the Confederate um, Congress that they had before. Yeah, the and, Articles of Confederation. Yeah, yeah. and then uh, finally got the Constitution in 87, and that's what we're celebrating today. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes. Well, tomorrow, actually. Yes. But anyways, my question to you is the following. I was studying this, and uh, I found it fascinating. Well, what th- one thing that really pointed out to me, besides everything else that they did great, <laughs> you know, which I think I'm really impressed, is that uh, in Article 4 uh, for the Constitution, it talks about the power... To dispose territory okay obviously the president is not allowed to do that but in the case of Carter he gave away the Panama Canal so what is your take in that
0: yeah she uh, she uh, wants to know did we really uh, dispose of US property when in just because we signed an agreement with France to finish the canal this, well, it was a treaty it was a treaty therefore uh, do we have rights to these lands? And if so, she's got a great point, which I would love to you uh, would love for you to expound on. Chrisanne? Well,
2: Chris- the, the issue that we have here is the question about what is the purpose of gaining territories and how are those territories supposed to be disposed constitutionally? And Congress has the authority to do that. Uh, not the president of the United States. And so when when a treaty is created, then the treaty has to be bound by the Constitution first. And it has to be something that is, uh, the president can negotiate it, but, but the Senate must ratify a treaty. And a treaty can only be ratified if it is in compliance with the Constitution.
0: So the Constitution the, uh, the, uh, when Carter planned on giving back authority to the Panamanians, uh, I'm not aware. Was the was the Congress objecting in any way or form or just a total blessing? Congress went along with it.
3: It's not, it's not my understanding. No? The Congress, no, no. did it by himself? By himself. Okay. Now, uh, the
0: Republicans even chirp maybe in protest <laughs> or no? Or did they, they roll over like they always do? I don't know. I, wa- uh, I wasn't paying attention back then. I think I was, I was like... I was
1: finishing college and going to law school.
0: And I was just starting to kiss and slow dance
2: from the way the founders intended it and if uh and in my suspicions uh, are the same that it was something that carter did by uh you know
0: executive by, order
2: by himself so uh if that's the way that happened then it was unconstitutionally uh, executed
0: so we got really lucky uh, if, that uh the
2: treaty that was signed on by the senate see a lot of times what we don't realize is a lot of these things are actually signed on by the senate but they sort of take a low-key perspective on the whole thing because they because we built a society that looks at our presidents as if they're actually emperors or kings, and so Americans uh, give presidents credit for economic increases. They give pre- presidents credit for for budgets and spending increases. They give presidents credit for for making foreign alliances and foreign deals, and all those things are things that the president cannot autonomously do according to the Constitution. All of those things are either done without the president or only in conjunction with the Senate. So in reality, uh, the president is not responsible for any spending the uh, the House of Representatives. The president is not fully responsible for any treaty. The Senate is because the Senate has the authority to say no. We're not going to ratify a treaty. And they have an obligation to say no if the treaty is not in compliance with the Constitution. For example, uh, President Barack Obama kept uh, talking about how they wanted to sign on to the UN uh, Small Arms Treaty. Well, that even if the Senate did concur with that, it would be an unlawful treaty. Because the federal government, constitutionally speaking, does not have the authority to regulate
0: That's interesting. Now, I, I didn't. There was something that I didn't, I'm not so sure I liked what you said. You're saying that the courts are free to fill in the gaps that the Constitution doesn't uh, specifically implicit uh, one of the three that, branches of government from doing.
1: If the Constitution doesn't have.
2: Who
0: said that? Okay, uh, that,
1: then
2: clarify. I, did that I didn't even
1: mention the court. No, no, no. Not yeah.
0: the, uh, wait a second. When you when you say that the Constitution is uh, uh, doesn't give either the president or the congress the power to do something and there is a tr- that just
1: means it's back at the states or the individuals look at uh well, yeah. tenth amendment. but
0: why are we talking about the, the treaty then?
2: with the state if it is not delegated to the federal government it's a power that right. is reserved to the state through their people right uh, the courts are just as limited in their power as the executive and the legislative right. branches because
0: Okay, so but I'm, I'm confused as to what role the treaty is playing to fill in a gap that is not explicit to the Congress or the president. So there, there isn't. is no gap.
2: There is no gap. There is no if gap. If there so, is no power delegated to the federal
0: government, then they cannot make treaties on those issues. Right. Okay, so how... They cannot uh, how, they make treaties on issues of delegated authority. Okay, so now we're back to Jimmy Carter. How did Jimmy Carter have the authority... Under a treaty, well, to, get, in, in to na- just make in nineteen
1: eighty nine. We invaded and conquered <laughs> Panama, so so we could have fixed it then.
0: Yeah, really, could have taken it back with after Bush. Right. Right. Or All right, we'll Bush. leave that for another day. Okay. <laughs> uh, your second question.
3: Okay. Um, thank you, Chrisanne. It's it's very informative. Uh, another question I have. Uh, Jefferson, when he started uh, writing the Declaration of Independence. He spoke about King George the and he gave uh, seven pillars of tyranny that he gave. And he spoke about that, and in one of them, it says number three. He says speaks about the things to promise, promise to give people what they don't, the, the people that don't have anything, something. So that's number three. But let's start from number one if you would like to listen to all seven, just to remind you a little bit. Number one was powerful ruler, selfishness. Obviously, he's, um, our presidents right now, or the Democrats are not rulers, so we don't have that issue. The elite, the reward supporters, I mean, that happens every day in politics in the United States and everywhere. So that's of the tyranny that we don't want to see anymore. Number three, things to promise. Like I said, number three is the one that bothers me the most, the most is to promise to give to people that they don't have none. So they... Support them, so that's one of the things that bothers. Okay, in other me. words, you
0: mean promise those who don't have right, give them free stuff. Absolutely, and then what, they vote for you. The Democrats are doing that so, right now, which is so typical of us Latin Americans. Exactly, just offer people
3: stuff, and they'll vote for you. So why don't we go back to the you know the founding of this country and go back to the tyranny uh, lessons that we learned from the Seven Pillars?
0: Because the Democrats don't want to admit that they're doing anything wrong. Absolutely. That's why I'm saying don't be nice to them because they're out to maliciously, whether they like to say it or not, they are maliciously undermining yeah. this country the, the to pro- win. They right. just want to win. The, then they tell their story because right. nobody wants to hear your story unless you win, right? The, so if you win, everybody okay, wants to hear your look story. Look at this.
1: The progressive movement, which is includes now taking over the Democrats, is a contra-revolution against the American Revolution. Yes. And they've done it before. The the American Revolution was a civil war between the patriots, the loyalists, Tories, and a lot of people who didn't care. The civil war was a a fight between the Union and the Confederacy. Today we have a a civil war, peaceful so far, between progressives who want a contra-revolution against the American Revolution and Americans.
0: Yes, it's, uh, it's the saddest thing because... For, for well, us The hardest th-
2: part is that, uh, you know, you still have a good majority of Americans uh, who, who simply do not understand what the Constitution means, right. how, how our federal government is supposed to work, and they don't understand the limits of government. And the question
0: I'm making and, you know, is you know, why, because these people maliciously to fight and restore when a lot of people don't even know what restoration means okay but see when you say that and I've heard you say this before in our show we have to let the audience know that was by intention right the idea was to get oh, yeah, people uh-huh. we, our we need to start from there
2: we keep on talking
0: about what the progress why we don't know but right. my god it was them who wanted to dumb us down since 1912 and now so we are officially go dumb go further
2: than that. it goes back to the mid1800s we resist- our education system in regard to the role, proper role and placement of the government in 1833. And we we re, we rewrote the textbook to teach our Constitution in law schools and in uh, post-secondary schools in 1833. And so uh, that's where we started changing the way uh, the lawyers and the judges think about the Constitution and the professors think about the Constitution and the federal government and then that is what, you know, that, that's the, the reign that dictates the nose of the horse. So, okay, well, wait a second, are
0: you saying? took
2: their, their, their guidance from that. And then, um, then you have Marxists like uh, Wilhelm Wundt, uh, Thorndike, and John Dewey in the mid 1800s that took over our education system. So. 1912 was not the beginning, but it was the product of what what the Marxists were doing
0: in the 1800s. Okay, well, the reason why I say 1912, and you'll understand why, I'll take your point as fact. Okay, so in other words, a basis for the progressive movement was being established in the late 1800s. But the reason why I say 18, 1912 was when Woodrow Wilson prepared himself for what ultimately became the horrors of 1913, where he embraced everything... Yeah,
1: it was bipartisan progressivism.
0: I would have gone to that if I wasn't interrupted. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, uh, the the harsh reality is, by 1912, Roosevelt was already uh, giving that big famous square, the square deal square. speech, where he pointed out basically the parameters for the progressive movement.
1: Yeah, he was in a progressive.
0: Lo- right. So in losing that election, Woodrow said, wait a second, that was very popular. And I'm only here. No, to...
1: no, he was already a progressive. Woodrow Wilson was before he became president.
0: Yay. Well,
2: let's think about that, though. So these men could have never actually stood up and gave these kinds of platforms to be accepted if we had not been, if, if the American people had not already had the foundation right. of that education already laid for 70 years.
0: Well, it was the last, the point I was making, it was the last time Republicans had a filibuster proof Senate. And well, since then, the, since the, 1911, the, we have not had.
1: Okay, but the filibuster is an extra constitutional rule.
0: You keep on saying that. Yeah. Uh, no, one, it's, it's, I don't see anybody repealing it. Filibuster is not part of the
3: constitution. Yeah, authority.
0: but you guys are like, uh, you guys keep on saying. Cocaine, saying it. cocaine, Mitch needs to repeal it. Okay, so there you go with your amateur hour again. And both Chris and you're, guil- <laughs> you're you're guilty too because while well, you guys keep
2: look, it, it it just because it's something that they do.
0: Uh, so I don't care. I don't care, Chrisanne. I don't care, Chrisanne. Stop! Get Trump off Trump your white horse! <laughs> Get off your white horse! Because you're not going to fight the you're not going to fight the battle in court. You're just going to keep on saying that. That's talking from behind a sandbag. I'm telling it's not you. Because it's it's education. And, and I've, I don't I don't care if it's education. I could no. care less. Okay, look, but, but, but they're never Okay then so stop stop repeating it rhetorically because through the education of the people So my if point is taken through the education of the people
2: where they demand and as your guest said why don't we restore back to the fundamentals of who we are we don't restore back to the fundamentals of who we are because we're not we're not aggressive enough and diligent enough to demand,
0: And that's my point the beginning That's and my so point we're if we're aggressive if you percent
2: that. I'm it's sorry. No.
0: Absolutely not. And expecting the people
2: in power to change their ways because they have some benevolent motivation
0: behind No, it. you're you're going off it's at the left field. If you want to do any of the things you say and any of the things you teach, you're going to have to come to the grips of the fact that the Republican Party must win 60 senators the old-fashioned way, beat them. Do
2: you know That's not true. President.
0: That's not true. That is not true. Okay. That is and very. We, am- no, it's not. Have, did we decrease spending when the I, No, but we have uh, not Chrisanne, had a, a filibuster proof Chrisanne, Republican stop. Senate. Chrisanne, stop. You do the same thing the left has done. Uh, just because you have 51 49 doesn't mean you have a Republican Senate. You don't even have a Republican Senate when it's 52 48. You only have a Republican so Senate here's when you control. No, are. You I'm sorry. There's a. Phil- Steer uh, don't steer me. Get me 60 senators. I
2: am trying to steer you away from these tribalistic tendencies. <laughs> that is all, that is is all hyperbole. Is a, and a, a private corporate club is going to be the savior of our political system. Uh, uh, the savior of our political system, as George Washington warned us, would be the elimination of private corporate clubs that dictate our law to us and our politics. And how are you planning so to you get know, there? Marco Rubio and, uh, Rick Scott and, and Marco Rubio I'm not going to I'm
1: no gonna that's right that these are
0: gonna <clears throat> you guys are totally wrong you're getting course. never you're going no you're in never never let never 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 land okay We're fine. until you get to 60 senators you can't even get rid of those people you're suggesting if you don't have okay. 60 senators you're gonna need those people to get oh to 60 Oh, my God. He can there only no. be removed people by office. Removed How do you plan? When the people wake up and that is never going to happen, ever. Well, then forget it. Rhetorical. That's he all is rhetorical. It sounds great for radio. <laughs> it sounds really great for radio, but it's not solution-based. If you want to sure do it... it sure no, it isn't.
2: Yeah, so your solution is that we give a supermajority to a private no. No. no.
0: Not, I didn't, America, uh, I've been interrupted so much you haven't even heard that. The real solution has to come from the people. I'm
1: sorry. Mac tell us.
0: Okay. First of all, we already know your position on Article 5 and amending the Constitution through the states. You believe that that's impossible. I believe that... Okay, that is wrong. I have never said that. Okay. Now, if you, really... say that either. So yeah. if you really... if you. at least get my positions proper okay i'm not i'm not i'm not really represent i'm not really going to get your you stand on your own position i'm telling you what has to happen okay, but, okay, within the ahead. confines I mean, of the constitution no you. i'll, is I'll let you explain i'll let you explain it i'm not going to work double on my own show you represent your own position You want to get rid of, you want to recall Marco Rubio and McConnell, then you repeal through Article Five Amendment Seventeen, so that their states have recall power. We all agree on that. Okay, then. So then, stop talking about malarkey. In the meantime, this country cannot be saved until Republicans have sixty senators for like fifteen years. You don't
2: repeal the Seventeenth Amendment through a
0: supermajority. I'm sorry. There you go. I will never agree with you. Without recall power from the states, which what Seventeen gave the power to the people. does not That's the, the biggest mistake.
2: Super in the Senate. The recall of the senators and the recall of the Seventeenth Amendment happens through the people and the states. It has nothing to do with a supermajority. Oh, yeah, through
0: Article Five. You say it's through a supermajority. I haven't said that. I'm saying repeal you said, no, Seventeen. You
2: said the only solution is through. We must get a supermajority in the
0: Senate. No. The only, the, the, the no, I did not say the solution. Through the people, through their states. I'm saying. No. I, I, I'm well, saying, that was, that was I'm, that was I'm saying I'm I'm saying I'm not double-minded. There's a two-track. There's two. Or it's not, there's two mean. tracks. I've heard so many of your opinions. if you only heard like one of mine? I've heard a lot of your opinions, and most of them are recorded. And I thank you for having so much recorded out there. But I've heard way too many people for way too many for reaching for the stars, thinking that one day. We are going to have a, a country of citizens that are going to wake up. Hell, me and Ed are involved in the Convention of States pretty actively, and that's hard enough as it is, okay? If you don't have the senators actually up, uh, being appointed by the state legislators of each state as the founders intended, okay? And you've said it, you have said it to us, Chrisanne, that the Amendment 17 and 16 were, were, were uh, brought together, practically amended at the same time because of the apportionments. Of uh, the people and the taxes, correct? In other words, 17 had to happen in order for 16 to be valid. So they did it together. And that's the biggest problem until you erase the horror of 1913, where you could talk all you want. You can educate all the young people you want. But by tomorrow, they are not going to know bumpkiss about our Constitution because the progressives have already owned the public school system. And unless, and I've got it, you know me, I have another answer for the public school system, but people think that that can wait till next year. It can't. It's t- all these things are immediate, but until the states, and you and I are both lovers of the states, until the states can recall their senator at any time. Hey, I don't like how you're talking up there. Until you can repeal them and recall them back to the states, and then us, the state, the people, are involved in what goes on in the states because we actually care who they're going to appoint for senator. So you win your elections, well, you win it.
2: A- let me ask you a question. Um- in agreement that the 17th amendment needs to be repealed i'm also in agreement well you made of me go the
0: long election. way around that one jeez but, 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 no I've, I've always
2: been in agreement with that i have written papers and there's chapters in my book I,
0: so about why do you make it so difficult for me so
2: okay. what so, it, they are i have classes on them at
0: okay then University. so in the meantime can so you get me I'm 60 senators so
2: you, you, you repeal the 17th Amendment, you allow the, the state legislators to recall the senators that are not doing their job, right? So
0: what is going to be their their motivation to recall um, Marco Rubio? Uh, if if the Republicans stay in majority of the Senate, there won't be any motivation, because quite frankly, what you guys your opinions are a, a minority opinion. Most people. Love Marco Rubio. They love every time he talks. And you, you and I might have a disagreement over Marco Rubio. I used to be a very serious fan of his, but if you think the majority of people in this state want to re, want Marco Rubio out of the Senate, this last election proved otherwise. After he lied. No,
2: I I think all that this last election proved was that people believed that Marco Rubio was better than the Democrat that was running against him. Because I happen to know. I mean, I do a lot of speaking, and I talk to a lot of. And the majority of the people in the Republican groups in this state do not like Marco Rubio. You yeah, want to watch him get reelected. They believe that he was better than a Democrat. So my point is, without the education of the people, the state legislators are never going to uh, recall anybody who is who is within their party. So the, the reason that we need to educate people on the principles of the Constitution is we establish these these mechanisms for operation, but the, the cogs and the wheel will not turn in the right direction unless the people make them turn, because politicians are driven by party loyalty and party money, and they're going to maintain party. So right now you have private corporate clubs. There's no reason why the Republican Party could not refuse to fund uh, Mitch McConnell, they couldn't, and there's no reason why they couldn't refuse to, to fund uh, Marco Rubio. There's no reason why they couldn't refuse to fund Lindsey Graham. All three of
0: Yeah, but that also applies to the president of the United States. I mean, it's just this thing. Following the printed
2: platform that they take an oath to, then what exactly are they going to do with that power without the overwhelming force of the
0: people? I'm sorry, Chrisanne, I can't agree with you because the, you give way too much credit to the people. The people could give a rat's butt about what you're saying. There half of them are just. Absolutely. And, you know, there, I agree with you. so
2: is the political parties care even less about the people and less about the rules and more about their own party power. It, and, and that's the point that I'm trying to make.
0: Well, right, the thing is that, that point is very well right stated, now, but it... Marco
2: Rubio is in violation of at least six points in the Republican Party platform. When
0: yeah, but he, so is so our president when he passed that budget. Of, of, <laughs>
1: Well, thank you, thank you very much, Chris-Ann. And
2: they're not doing it. You well, tell I, me I have too much faith in the people.
1: I tell you I have more faith in the people than I do in the pe- with the people in power. Well, I agree with you, uh, Chris-Ann. I think that the, we're free not because of our great Constitution or because of our political parties or, or uh, politicians, but because of the spirit of the people, and that's what we have to promote, a freedom-loving, self-reliant, God-fearing, uh, law-abiding people. So thank you very much.
2: no people will surrender their liberties be easily subdued
0: when knowledge is diffused and virtue is preserved. Well, it's, thank ti- you. it's time to reinvent the public school system. He said, but on the
2: contrary, when the people become universally ignorant and denounced yep. in their manners, they will sink underneath their own weight without the aid of foreign invaders. The uh, problem we all agree with is the progressive education system, which means we
1: all agree that solution comes through the education system. Absolutely, and we're going to have that in the next few programs. Thank you very much. We're going to, thank you for calling on Constitution Day, and uh, let's keep in touch. Happy Constitution, Day. Happy Constitution, Happy Constitution Day.
3: Day. Bye-bye.
0: Okay, so. There you are. This is a problem. You know, as is, is brilliant as she is and as active as she is,
1: because
0: mm-hmm. she's really knowledgeable, and she, you should see the educational platform she has.
1: Yep, I and mean, she has yeah. podcasts okay. every week. Okay,
0: yeah. but what the, the biggest the biggest problem that a lot of these people have, and that when you say that she canvasses a lot of people, and the majority of people, that are, that is not true. Those are interested people who are actually attending these meetings. You know, they're they're activists, this much. There's this much of the population. Right. Okay, but people like me, I'm out there in the people, but I also know these people front and center. I mean, right face-to-face, Marco Rubin front and face, Ted Cruz front and face. You know
3: but I, say, actually, I think the basics what she said I think I agree with her is the basics of education. I believe not, in the people as well people wants to work people I wants guarantee to be pro- you
0: if it were true that what she says she'd be arm in arm with me right now trying to reinvent the public school system I'm the first person to ever do it in the state's history and the first person in US history and I built a radio station continue and, doing and it. and, like, we're working and everybody's sitting there program. going like that and no one's helping me the only guy who has the answer for the entire public school system are all of these states. It starts in this state because we're the only state that has this law that I was the first to use. Right, she would be locked arms with me. She is in locked arms with me, and this is the conflict I have. Ed is in locked arms with me.
1: No, I'm. I, I'm bringing in a lot of. People I understand. In the next couple I of weeks.
0: understand. I'm talking about amending a law that's called the Florida Parent Empowerment Law. It doesn't reform the school system. It takes it away from those people.
3: Well, My that parents. would be wonderful. Okay, well,
0: there's only one law that It's only one way. Just like there's only one way to correct. What the people supposed to do? Give them the power by electing state senators, state congressmen, and tell Marco Rubio to come back home because we're tired of listening to you. But we won't repeal Seventeen, and she's not in support of the movement to repeal Seventeen using Article Five Plan B, which has never been used before.
3: Can you explain that one for me a little better?
0: Yeah, Article Five. There's two ways to amend the Constitution. Mm -hmm. One is the way the 28 amendments already have happened, which is uh, the Congress proposed the amendment. The amendment goes to ratification by uh, 38 states.
1: Three, yeah, th- yeah.
0: Okay. The B, which is not really B. It's actually just one long run-on sentence. The census.
1: alternative, yeah. Yeah, the yeah.
0: alternative is the only thing that the framers met and talked about for uh, less than a day, and everybody unanimously said, oh, of course, of course, in case this new government became like the King George. Right. Hey, man, remember, we just fought a king. What happens if we become idiots just like this king? Give The states the right to amend it too, and everybody passed it unanimously. And it was at the last, I think it was the last day of the mm-hmm. Articles of Confederation, which was the B, which allows this is beautiful, which is out in um, uh, three fourths of the states right. to pass applications through their legislature. Okay, who has to submit an application saying we want to amend the Constitution, doesn't say specifically what each state. Passes the application. They have to be very close together in English. You know, you can't be completely alien. they got to be somewhat alike. And that could be disputed in a court. Hopefully that doesn't happen. And we've already gotten 14 states.
1: 15. Well,
0: 15 states.
1: We need 34.
0: When we get to 34, we call a friggin' convention without Congress!
1: Right. That's it.
0: Oh, that's a beautiful thing. Only that's America. what we're working
1: on. And we in work fact, so hard. And in she fact, I should put in a plug. The American Priority Conference on October 10th through 12th at Trump-Durrell is going to have a lot of speakers. They have Donald Trump Jr., uh, Congressman Chaffetz, who's now at Fox News. And he's
0: not a supporter of, of Article yeah. Dine-
1: 5. Well, well, I'm going to take him on. Dinesh Souza is going to be there. There's so
0: many people are so fearful that if we hold the convention...
1: It'll be a runaway convention. ...they say infiltran
0: los yeah. in that convention and alter the well, other parts of the conven- of the Constitution that are not the amendments...
1: Well, that's why I. No, I'm... you don't
0: even know. Time out, Ed. Yeah. I uh, been I was at this two years before you showed up. <laughs>
4: <laughs>
0: uh, and I was in the first simulations in our state. We were the third state. Uh, Sarah Palin was the first state. Look what a ma- magistrate mm-hmm. she was. While she was running for vice president with, with McCain, she got us the first the First Amendment passed. She had a smaller state, but she was governor. She uh, heightened it. She got the first, broke the ice for us, and then came Georgia, and then us. We were the third. Okay, so we held this, this simulation where we pretended all to be Congress uh, commissioners. And we went there. We went to this place called Sanford, Florida, in a church. And I got to be, uh, ironically, I got to be a, a delegate from Massachusetts. And that's we sit funny. at the tables and we use the rule of Robert's rule of order. Go to the well. Propose your amendment. That's a, a strike. That, that's an amendment of an amendment. You can't make an amendment of an amendment. You can only hear the amendment. And we did this for three days. Okay. So what comes out of these conventions could be the repeal of sixteen, seventeen, and yep. but you don't. There's no guarantee,
3: right? Like I want to get rid of the income tax like it was no tomorrow. That would be lovely. That
0: would be lovely because <laughs> the court said it was private property. Wages were income was never supposed to be your wage, only your investments, the profits on the investment. Oh, this is the concrete conservative WSQF Blink Radio is speaking to Mac on the Rock and Ed Vidal. Who do I have the pleasure to speak with?
5: Hey, yeah, uh, this is Caleb
4: Kruckenberg. The new civil liberties
0: alliance thank you for calling i think ed is going
1: to prep you on what we're doing here today well thank you for calling as, as you know tomorrow is constitution day so today we're going to be discussing what does the constitution mean for us today and in particular we have as our guest in our studio uh, Andreina Quisane, who is an immigrant from venezuela and she is very interested in learning about the Constitution and what it means to be an American. So maybe you can help in that assimilation process. What do you say, Caleb? Uh, that sounds great. All right, so what does the Constitution mean for you?
5: Well, so for me, you know, I, I think we, we talk a lot about the Bill of Rights and, you know, with the U.N. Declaration of, of Human Rights and all, all these other things we, we talk about specific things that we think the government can't do or specific things that we think are protected against the government. And to me, the Constitution uh, is very different. The Constitution says this is what government can do, and it's very, very limited. Government only has these specific things that they're allowed to do, and they have to go a specific process. And otherwise, they can't do it at all. Government can't do it. And it's forbidden and everything else is, is you know
1: entrusted with the people and, and we're free to live our lives the way we want to live our lives. So you think the Bill of Rights is redundant?
5: I, I do. Uh-huh. I, mean, I like it. I think it's good. I, uh, you know I appreciate the First Amendment. it's a, it's a nice sentiment, but it, it, it's really not necessary in the sense that you know I think the government shouldn't shouldn't be getting in, in the way. Um, you know, the, the federal government particularly, Right. there's a lot of things the federal government shouldn't be doing in the first place.
4: Right. And, you
0: know, they're... What does that have to do with the Bill of Rights? Powers. Are you criticizing the Bill of Rights? We know the government is doing a bunch of things it shouldn't do, but yeah, so, so, it's not the Bill of Rights. Though. How do we
1: get to where we are today? Well, uh, it, it, I think where we get to
5: today is this view, um, and I'm not blaming the, the Bill of Rights for this, okay. um, but... Uh, I think we get to this view that unless there's a specific uh, prohibition in the Constitution, unless the Constitution says very clearly, this is what government can't do, they have to protect our freedom of speech, we've we've gotten into this this idea that, um, well, there's no protection then. Unless there's a, uh, you know, unless an amendment
0: no, so, it's, it's it's the whole document is a limitation of what no, they can't no, do the,
1: to us. But the way we've gotten to thinking about, it, especially after the New Deal, is that the right. government has almost federal police powers. Right. And
0: well, that's that regulatory state you talk process. about. It's you know they come up with these commerce clause powers, which is you know this this way
5: that the federal government can get involved in local affairs and, and start doing all these kinds of things that. The federal government was really never designed to do. Um, and one particular thing that I'm concerned about, and my organization, the New Civil Liberties Alliance, we're really concerned about, is the administrative state. It's this uh, extra-constitutional government governing body, uh, administrative agencies that they do a lot of this of the real lawmaking and a lot of the real enforcement. Um, and
1: they're they're not even considered by the Constitution. Yeah, they're. It's
5: just this
1: brand new thing that's e- over our It's extra constitutional. In fact, the first regulatory agency was created in 1887, it was specifically the Interstate Commerce Commission. Right. Which lasted for another hundred years. And so, you, but we've seen in the progressive area uh, during Woodrow Wilson's presidency a growth in. In regulatory agencies, then during the New Deal, we had another expansion under Franklin Roosevelt, and then finally, you know, the the Great Society from Lyndon Johnson. But that also, was the
0: nail in the coffin, right? Well, there. and but Richard Nixon was not a conservative. He, yeah, he deregulated the uh, collective bargaining. Made it made Richard easier. Richard Nixon? No, uh, Kennedy did, but well, he opened. He widened. Uh, uh, government unions' ability to strike. That
1: was Kennedy in the early 60s, but then the Great it, Society Lincoln expounded
0: on it. Who? Richard Nixon expounded. Nixon, yeah.
1: Nixon was a big regulator. He created a lot of new regulatory agencies, including EPA. And so this is, this is this beast has been growing, and I really appreciate the work that you and your organization are doing against the administrative state. Because basically, I agree that the administrative state is unconstitutional. So congratulations for that.
5: Well, thank you very much. And, and you know, I think all of the, the credit has to go to our founder, uh, Dr. Philip Hamburger, who's a professor at Columbia. And you know, he wrote a book called Is the Administrative State Unlawful? And, uh, you know, I'll, I'll do a spoiler here. Uh, yes, it is. That's <laughs> right conclusion. But it's. You know, I mean, this is a scholarly look at the history of the Constitution, the history of administrative law, and, I I mean, he just takes it apart. And the idea, you know, our current administrative state, our current form of government, um, if you could show it to the founders and the people who actually wrote the Constitution, uh, you know, I think they would be shocked, and they would would have no idea that this document that they wrote could have allowed this kind of governance. Yep. And, you know, my group,
1: we fight against it, and, and, you know, fortunately, I think a lot of judges are starting to recognize that, yeah, this is not what the Constitution thought about. Well, and allowed. Caleb, Caleb, let's okay. let's talk about the judges. I mean, starting around 1980s, but really even before, there was what was called Chevron deference, where the judges, who, who are a... A constitutionally created branch of the federal government we are actually deferring to this unconstitutional or extra-constitutional administrative branch. How is that, uh, is that doctrine being chipped away at?
5: It is, and I think we're very fortunate um, with, since Justice Gorsuch has joined the Supreme Court, you know, we have now on the court, one of the biggest critics of Chevron deference mm-hmm. and these kind of related legal doctrines, and and you're absolutely right. It's this, this judge-made concept that administrative agencies get to tell judges what the law actually means in certain contexts. And Judge uh, Justice Gorsuch is, you know, he's the most famous example. Um, you know, he's written extensively and spoken about it, and and said that this is just. Totally outrageous. This is against the constitutional order. And this takes away what judges are supposed to be doing. We're the ones who are supposed to interpret the law, um, not agencies. And, you know, there have been a number of important judges on on federal courts of appeals who have kind of taken that lead. And they've written, um, you know, important opinions and eloquently about how this is not okay and the way the law has developed is not okay. And they've really been pushing back. Um, Any
0: particular legal case? Because we have a guest here with us today who is uh, basically a first-generation American. No, she's right. an immigrant. Uh, yeah. Okay, Venezuelan-American. Right. Who, right. Uh, who really appreciates the, the, the wonderful country we've become. She would like to ask you a question. Introduce yourself to him. Sorry, yes.
3: Hi, my name is Andrina Kisane. How are you? I'm from the Venezuelan-American Republican Alliance, and it's my pleasure to be here today. Hi, how are doing great. It's great to hear you. And um, let me ask you something, because, you know, the Venezuelan people is suffering a lot for obviously ha- having a terrible government. And uh, for us, it's a lesson to learn about the Constitution of the United States and how it was formed. And tomorrow we're celebrating the Constitution Day. So it is my honor to be here to listen to you guys, the experts about how our uh, founding fathers got Wow, together.
0: Ed's an expert? No way, because I'm not. <laughs>
1: Caleb's an expert.
0: Caleb's an expert. Thank you for being with us today because, you know, we're two Bush League constitutionalists. All right, go ahead. Look at it. He's got his Great America hat. He thinks that he got that from law school. All right, go ahead.
3: Wonderful. Um, So you spoke about the Bill of Rights, that it was not really any more necessary or whatever you said. Redundant. Redundant, I beg your pardon. So I I would like to learn a little bit about what you mean by that because that's all we're suffering from. We have no bills of rights at all. (laughs) Right.
5: Well, and I think it it goes back to my my earlier idea about how when you set out uh, specific protections, like in the the Bill of Rights, you know, the First Amendment, you have a freedom of speech. Um, Anytime you, you set up a list of things that you think the government can't do, that suggests or at least suggest to an unscrupulous government that, well, we can do anything as long as it's not on one of the lists. It's not, you know, we're, we're not forbidden to do it, so we can do it. And I think that's exactly the, the opposite meaning of, from what the Constitution was supposed to set up and, and the Constitution was supposed to have. Because the Constitution was envisioned as this document that says government can only do this. Government can only pass laws that are passed by uh, the Congress, that are signed by the President, um,
4: and, and that's it. And unless we give government the specific power to
5: do that, the specific uh, power to regulate commerce or something like that, they can't do it at all.
0: It's forbidden. Well, they do have, we do have the Commerce Clause, so that opens sure. a big can of words. But our, again, we go back to our previous caller it, uh, we gave away in a felonious way, I must say, because I don't believe the people actually gave it away. I believe it was a scam. Um, I've read enough to know that when, as soon as we um, they gave us the sense that we were voting directly for our senators, we eliminated and neutered all 50 states because it took away their recall power of the U.S. senator. Now they get bought. Once they get elected by the people, then they get bought by the special interest once they're in D.C. behind a black curtain. And they're... They're, the senator is free to write off, sign off on the expansion of the regulatory state. And that's what the Congress hands him. Congress hands him a, a huge bureaucracy. Isn't Reagan still the, the record uh, holder for the least amount of regulations passed in his presidency? 53,000 a year. And now it's up to 80-something thousand a year. Think about well, that. the
1: Trumpster has been pretty good about deregulation. So but he didn't,
0: he didn't add new ones, but he just uh, repealed Obamas right. that were over in the 90s. 1,000 regulations right. a year. A year. We're talking a year times eight. Okay. It's really disgusting. Well, what do you think about that, Caleb?
5: Well, it's sort of on your, on your point, one of the problems with, you know, the regulatory state and the rise of administrative agencies is is a way that Congress has kind of given over its responsibility, it, its responsibility and its accountability at the same time. Because, you know, the Congress was set up in the Constitution, has this body that's accountable to the people. I mean, that's what it's supposed to be about. That's how we have a say in, in the government. And and so to avoid that accountability, Congress has said, you know what? We'll let the agencies make the really
0: tough choices. Yeah, in other words, we pass. Yeah.
1: But but Caleb, they're busy uh, raising money for the re-election.
5: <laughs> well, and, you know, that, that's a whole other issue, I guess.
0: Well, I mean, shouldn't yeah, what we really want is we
5: want congress people to, to make the hard choices.
0: Okay, but can we do? can you suggest uh, could you suggest how we go about preventing uh politicians from sponsoring bills, especially the sponsor of a bill. How we can prevent the sponsor of a bill to not also have the promulgation of the bill he is sponsoring embedded in the bill that's being voted upon? Why are so many bills passed and then promulgated by the respective government agency that it applies to. That's where we lose it.
1: Right. Well, for example, Dodd-Frank had 243 cases where the statute said that the Secretary of the Treasury shall, shall. issue regulation. Yeah, that's totally... It's that's excessively over-delegation. Uh, Caleb, I go back to uh, Schechter versus the National Reco- uh, Recovery Administration, where the, the court struck down the NRA on the basis of over-delegation. Hasn't been done right. since. And you know that's a shame and it's a shame because the court had a great opportunity this
5: year uh, there was a case called Gun- gundy versus united states that was in the supreme court and and if you want to read a really interesting uh, opinion read the
0: dissenting opinion in that case because uh just like i mentioned earlier Gorsuch, uh,
5: was pretty steamed about it
0: and this is and a gorsuch uh signed uh dissent
5: and, oh. and Gundy is a case where we talked about delegation of power, delegation of power from Congress to an administrative agency. And um, as I mentioned, it, it hasn't—the courts haven't struck down an administrative regulation for delegation since the 1930s. Thirty five, yeah. We we all sort of hope that this would be the case.
1: Well, maybe when we replace uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg and. Uh... Breyer will will get a couple of more
0: conservatives.
5: Yeah, you're right, and but also you know Gundy wasn't a total
0: loss. And well, the could lady, give us and a back. Is, let the audience right, ha- yeah. know the backstory of Gundy. What what actually played it? I mean, the radio audience probably wants to know who's Gundy sure. and why and what. Sure. Right. So th- this is a case where uh, a guy named Herman Gundy was.
5: He was a sex offender, and he was convicted under this statute that made it a federal crime to not register as a sex offender. Uh, But what happened was Congress didn't want to decide whether this statute would apply to people who had already been convicted of crimes before the statute was passed, uh, whether the the statute was retroactive or not. Congress, they thought that was a really tough decision. They didn't really want to make it. And so what they did is they told the attorney general, you know what, you're allowed to make this decision you can issue a regulation that says it's retroactive or not. And so the attorney general, who is the chief prosecutor in the United States, said it is retroactive. And so this guy, Gundy, he was convicted a long time ago of a crime that made him register uh, as a sex offender under state law. But under the new federal law, he also had to register uh, federally. And if he didn't, from his old conviction, you know, under the attorney general's rule, he violated the statute.
0: So, in other words, he was looking was, for to be grandfathered difficult. in, basically. Well, to be, I'm, uh, I'm going to make up a word here. Grandfather reprieve. In other words, that he ha- didn't have to apply to the federal law since he was convicted on the, uh, under state laws. Correct? Right. And, and
5: that's, that would have been the alternative, is that, well, you were convicted before this law is passed. You don't have to follow the
4: law. But the AG said, no, nope, everybody... For all time, doesn't matter when you were
5: convicted, and you know that that's that's one thing. But you know the real issue there was, Congress shouldn't be telling the AG to make that decision. I mean that's a decision for Congress. That's not a decision for a prosecutor to make. And you know ultimately what happened is the Supreme Court. You know I, I think there was there were you know four members of the Supreme Court who thought that's completely wrong. Um, and. You know, the Supreme Court eventually they said no, we're going to uphold the conviction. But the way they did it is, they said eh, actually, Congress didn't really tell the Attorney General they had the choice. Congress told them that they had to make a specific choice, and they kind of weaselled out of um, it.
0: Uh, was it was it a, a down party lines? I mean, not party lines down
5: it was. For- it was. It was a partisan decision, but I think what happened was even the majority of the court that upheld the, the conviction. They recognize that, yeah, there is a limit here and this is not the kind of decision that Congress should be making. That's not what the Constitution or that this is the decision for Congress, not the attorney general. And I think I think what they really signaled there, and you know, as Ed mentioned, you know, depending on how the court changes over the next few years, you know, there's a real opportunity there for the court to take up another case. And, and really decide this and say there's a line and and an agency can't
0: do this. Yeah, it's it's pretty it's pretty amazing that we expect uh, Congress that's growing and growing as a population grows and grows to the point where where are we going to put all these people? How can you expand the actual capital physically because one day there'll be 100 more congressmen elected by Either either a constitutional amendment is passed so that congressmen are voted by more people in districts, making larger districts, or adding seats to the well, Congress. In England, they have six hundred
1: and fifty members of Parliament and a population of sixty million. So it's a you know there's much more. We we would have to be up to a thousand congressmen.
0: Okay, so the very fact that it gets to a point where the philosophy up until now mm-hmm. is to just to create larger districts of people. Yep, so you get elected by bigger groups of people. But well, even that can't go on forever because then you'll have congressmen completely ineffectual as you we have now, right. where their Absolutely. constituencies are so yeah. enormous, the average congressman doesn't know what the hell his people want. Think well, about it. you know, and I, I kind of challenge you on that in the
5: sense that I'd say that, you know, realistically, I mean, we have congresspeople who, who nominally represent their districts realistically,
0: the people who are actually setting policy are, are the agencies, the bureaucrats. Right. And, right. And, I agree. And
4: there's
5: tens of thousands of those. And
0: and, and they're not elected, and they're, they're only looking for
1: their know, paycheck. They <laughs> are. They not for them. And they outlast the congressman.
5: Absolutely. And one of the things that we're seeing now in you know, the current administration, you're right, there's a deregulatory agenda, and they're trying really hard to roll back some of these regulations but the agencies
0: aren't are necessarily cooperating because and they're the undermining people, right well yeah and it's the
5: same people in the agencies who've been there you know 10 15 20 years they've been through administration
1: after administration and really all they know how how to do is Make more rules and Yeah, how to survive and duck and keep their jobs. Well, one good thing that I've seen is that the Department of Agriculture has relocated some of its agencies to the Midwest and that caused uh the bureaucrats to resign or they would they didn't want to move to uh, to Kansas City. So maybe that's what they should do. You know, all the all the agencies, uh, you know, with a couple with a few exceptions, like, you know, they should be moved somewhere else, like the Department of uh, Health should go to Atlanta. Department of Energy...
0: Detroit, not Atlanta.
1: Oh, Detroit, okay. Or Department of Energy should be sent to Houston. Cleveland. No, Houston for energy. So, I mean, that's one way. You really have to cut down... I think America will not be free until there's a real estate recession in Washington, D.C. What do you think of that, Caleb? You know, well,
5: there's something to be said for that. And, And, you know, obviously where the agency is located is is not that doesn't necessarily have anything to do with their power but it does kind of get to a a big issue it's that a lot of this is momentum and a lot of this is just well we've always done this this way and you know these bureaucracies here in dc are (laughs) everywhere and they support this huge economy and there's all these people who work for all of these different agencies and and you're right i mean if you can do something as simple as move them to Kansas City, where it makes more sense for the agency to be headquartered. It does do something to disrupt it.
0: I have a much better idea, and Ed knows I do. He doesn't want to agree with it, but that's okay. I What's fully that? expect that of him. Here's a really draconian measure that's the only way to save the country, which is in the next budget impasse. Right. Okay. All non-discretionary spending gets pink slips. Oh, yeah. And guess what? (laughs) Unemploy everybody.
1: Well, whenever there's a government slowdown or a government shutdown, all non-essential personnel are told not to come to work. Okay. So so fire them. Yeah. So
0: fire them. And I'm sad to say, you know, there's a lot of mortgage payments and a lot of unemployment. No, no, they'll be better
1: in their new jobs. They'll find other jobs over yes. time.
0: And what happens is... And just is, think of all
1: the great companies that will be founded.
0: Yes. And the stock market would take off with all that weight. Because, Caleb, you know, there's something I, I mentioned in the book I wrote where I say that the reason why the federal government will never uh, shrink, it's because, if I were to ask you, what's the largest economy in the world, you would say... Caleb. Uh, the United States federal government And if a... I would say uh, <laughs> yeah. No, not no, yet, that... you jumped the gun <laughs> um, <you're> not, <laughs> you, you, you saw where I was coming from United States right. And then if you ask it again through PPP Or any other formula you want, you would say China But when, if I ask you what's the third largest economy in the world Most people would say India, Japan, Germany None of those It's the U.S. government by itself Yep. Yeah. Therefore, it runs the other two because China lives off this government as much as anybody else does, so do a lot of other countries. Like, for instance, the little tiny South Africa really depends on our military purchase of their electronics equipments in all our F-35 fighter jets. It's South African equipment in there. So there, there's Italian companies owning the fixed design, the the light designs for our our aircraft, our plane. So when we say we've got this incredible $1 billion F-35, there's a lot of allies participating in that plane. So it's the U.S. government, and we're not even talking about what's under the ground—the oil they have in national parks, the buildings themselves, the tanks, the battleships, the planes, and everything else. Those values, but there's a there's a there's a, a a reserve of diamonds bigger than the entire world economy under the ground that nobody wants to touch because it would undermine the diamond industry. But the the amount of diamonds down there in present today's present values. It's, uh, it's uh, over, over 150 miles deep to go down. But if you were to get it, it would completely undermine the entire world economy because it's larger in value than the entire world economy. And it's wow. sitting there underneath our Earth. And we, right. when we think on these terms, you're like, as we get more and more modern, we're going to realize how foolish we've always been, that the world is much more vast and much more rich than even the human people have been able to figure out. And therefore, we're saying to ourselves, wait. What percentage of this world has to continue to be poor for us to stop be, waging war? Guess what? Never. <laughs> we'll be fighting each other. So I ended on oh. that note, Caleb. is there any, You want to give a clothing statement? Thank you for calling us. Well,
5: um, you know, I, I don't want to. Let, let me say this, because, um, you know, I, I know I've been complaining a lot about the administrative state. And it, it is an existential threat in my in my view there's good news and, you know, it's, there's my organization, there's other organizations and the courts are listening and, you know, I am, I'm really uh, excited about the future and I'm, I'm excited about, you know, where the courts are going to take us. And I, I, I think we're going to win the war against the administrative. Threat
0: okay. I have a question thing. that just occurred to my, occurred occur to me now. What is it that you're looking for in a plaintiff to represent them?
5: You know, so so I do I do work. I also do uh, I, I represent individuals
0: who are uh, being sued by administrative agencies. And, in other words, the know, grievance I, has to be solely regulatory, or can it be something else?
5: Well, so so what I look for is I look for ways that we, you know, at my organization, the New Civil Liberties Alliance, we we look for people who are impacted by the administrative state. Who yeah. there's something unfair that you know, they've had to follow a rule that wasn't properly passed by Congress, or they're facing a, an enforcement action uh, for for doing something that they're allowed to do. And, you know, they're, they're deprived of due process or they're deprived of some sort of meaningful uh, constitutional right. And they're really the victims of the administrative state. And we so, go in and we represent them.
0: Is it safe to say to that— our, to
5: try to take tools
4: away from the
0: agencies. Okay, so is it safe take to take them say them that most people them. who qualify as an appellate person is someone who suffers monetary damage, therefore chances are are business owners? Or can so, it be an individual so just concerned. harmed? Like
5: I, I represent individuals. I represent individuals who are, are, you know, their civil rights have been violated or their... No. It, it, it,
1: it, he uh, he uh, represents Raul rights. Mascanosa against the city of Coral Gables.
0: Oh, right. how about that? Cool. Well, uh, thank you for that because we're all good people.
5: Is protecting constitutional rights.
0: Well, well, that was your that was your final little statement here. I I hope you call us back. Thank
1: you very much, Caleb. Thank
3: Thank you. you. Thank you so much. You're
0: listening to WSQF Blink Radio, ninety four point five. It's now six ten. Almost. And um, we go by my my clock in the studio. Okay. Oh yeah. Well, we go by
1: whenever they call.
0: Okay, so, you know, it says 610 there. Oh, no, Einstein correct. It's yep. 609.
1: Right. You pity. You yeah. pity. Caleb uh, was, could, is representing Raúl Mascanosa in suing the city of Coral Gables against their uh, surveillance cameras.
0: And I believe that, oh. that should be one.
1: Well, he's doing all right so far. Because I've know.
0: lost every single battle I've ever done with that camera. My God, <laughs> it's gotten me so many times. It's, it's just, there's, and the thing is, you know what's really sad about the, the cameras? And it's just a really minor point, but it's it should be the reason why they win the case. There's no proof that I'm driving. I could I could be loaning the car to someone. They only have my tag in the car. Who says yeah. who says I'm in the car? The car can't get it. Doesn't it.
3: the picture have your face? No, it's, it's the, the back. It's the back. To the it's the car. Back. It's the tag. There's no proof oh, that I'm right. driving. There's no
0: proof I'm driving. So how can I be guilty of something That's you can't prove? That's true. I'm? And yet, why is it not not winning the case? What a
3: great case.
0: This is the Concrete Conservative, WSQF 94.5. I'm yours truly, Mac on the Rock, and victorious Ed Vidal, the superstar who I have a pleasure of speaking with.
6: How you doing, my friend? This is Justin Pearson from the Institute for Justice.
0: I'm happy Oh, it's been a long time.
6: Yeah, oh. yeah, you know, time flies. I've always enjoyed speaking with you guys, and uh, I'm happy to, to meet Adriana for the first
3: time, and uh, I'm looking forward to talking again today.
0: And she's better looking than both of us, so good treat her uh, treat her very kindly. Don't believe know, it, Justin. You know you know curmudgeon Ed, you know, he hasn't changed one bit. He's got less gray hair than I do, and I'm thirty five years younger than him. It's amazing. It's amazing what law school will do for you guys. you guys. Hi,
1: Justin. Thank you for calling us. You know, as we as we said, today is we're celebrating Constitution Day and we have uh, andreana is an immigrant from Venezuela and she's trying to figure out what does it mean to be an American right, sort of, and so... Well, if she's immigrated here, then she's halfway there, because we're a nation of immigrants. Right. That's exactly, you know? Justin. It, it, lawful for a life lawful and immigrants. To
6: build a better life
1: for yourself, right.
0: then, um, yeah, you, then, too. Then you are an American, and you already know what it means.
1: Yeah. Well, she's a lawful immigrant, she's not on welfare, so that's good. She's not a charge on the public, as Ken Cuccinelli re, uh, reminded <laughs> us. Uh, so that's, those are good starts, but I, I, I keep uh, I keep telling her, and I met her at the—she's the founder of the Venezuelan-American Republican Alliance. And I keep telling her that the, the Constitution and the Declaration, of course, before that, really uh, kind of stands for what Americans are, which is limited government. I think that's one of the basic keys of American civilization that makes it different from Latin America. Yes,
6: well, and I, I love that you mentioned uh, the Declaration,
1: uh, because that really is our founding document. That's the document— yep that lays out the principles on which we're going to base our government. And the Constitution is the tool that we use to
6: hopefully uh, implement those principles and and bring them into life. And so um, you can't really separate the two. I think uh, too often people look at the Constitution and they
1: forget about reading the Declaration first. But the Declaration is the reason for the Constitution, and so I'm glad you mentioned that. Totally agree. In fact, we're looking at a copy of the Declaration of Independence and the Constitution Uh, spread around by the Cato Institute. We also have a whole bunch from... We have the Heritage Foundation. So, yeah. Uh, Andrea is such a good American now. She carries around with her a copy of the Declaration and the Constitution.
0: Wait a minute. Wait a minute. I have have a standing ovation for something like that.
1: There you go.
3: Yay. Now she wants to ask you a question. Yes. How are you, Justin? Nice to meet you. Excellent. It's a pleasure to meet you. Great. So tell me... um, in your case, what is it about the Constitution of the United States that makes you very proud of, to be an American?
0: Ooh. it's ah, a big a,
3: one. That is a
6: big question. Um, I, I think... So I'm proud to be an American for many reasons. Um, I, I firmly believe that this is the greatest nation in the history of humanity. Um, and, and so that, that pride extends beyond just the Constitution. Um, but what I will say is I think... The thing that makes me proudest about the Constitution itself is that it is a tool to, in its own words, secure the blessings of liberty, end quote. If you look at the beginning of the Constitution, it tells you why the Constitution should be enacted, what its goals are, what its purposes are. And it lists a few of them, and one of them is to secure the blessings of liberty. And so I view the Constitution as one of the greatest and possibly the greatest tool in the fight for liberty in in human history. And I'm— Privileged that I
0: actually get to use it in my job in fighting against the government. Well, to further that note, uh, for us American Cubans like myself, who were born here, and Cuban Americans like Ed, who were born there, uh, we realize what life could have been. Right. So uh, we're just so damn happy that you all let us in.
1: Yeah. That
0: way, my parents could like, I get jiggy with it, so I could be born in '64, four years after they got here. Okay. And but <laughs> what's most important to me, what makes me most proud about the Constitution is the unalienable rights that were given to us as human beings by a, ordained by our creator way before government was formed. Right. Let's and, man, go. you got to remind liberals of that all the time. They think government has a right to do something. They don't have any rights, and the government has zero right to do anything. Zero. You are correct. So that, and it, that, that philosophical point is really where it all stems from. Right yes. Now. The first time in history uh, a country was formed
6: notion that your rights were not a gift from government everyone was born with god-given inalienable rights and the only reason for government to exist was to provide security for these rights you already have and so you shouldn't have to go on bending knee to the government to ask for rights the government has to justify why it is restricting your rights and unfortunately um people who fail to understand that you're born with inalienable human rights and that they're not a gift from government will sometimes uh, think that the government can do far more than it, than it
0: really can. And the perfect one that, that peeves me off the, the most, and it's the most deplorable law ever, okay, if the pursuit of happiness is one of these unalienable rights, mm-hmm. how can how can not giving everything you worked for your entire life to your next of kin in an estate be taxed because I died? Your death right. tax? Yeah. The estate tax is blasphemy. I mean, it's just so repulsive. Yeah. I don't care if you're a trillionaire, a billionaire, a multimillionaire. How can you deny me the right to give to my children who perhaps might not have had me as a parent because I was a workaholic freak to become a billionaire. You didn't have right. me at your baseball games. You didn't, I didn't do any homework with you. In fact, I came home screaming and yelling because I was a workaholic freakazoid. Right. I I should pay my children for not having me around as a right. parent <laughs> when I leave. That is... Right. My- well, you know, but you really touched on two crucially important points there, Manny.
6: your money you've earned it fair and square by bettering society and you should be allowed to give it to whomever you choose tax-free to extra taxes
0: but Tax the thing is um you know that that motivation you have particularly when you know that you can give it all to your kids that that incentive is pursuit of happiness yeah to better society far more than government ever has right that that motivation to earn money lawfully
4: It will cause you to innovate, it will cause you to work hard, it will cause you to provide services or goods to people, to
6: employ other people, and you will be far more beneficial than anything government would ever do with that money they're taking from you.
0: And not to mention, they're in the process of intoxicating government with too much money. They've printed it, and they've given poverty a right. People have a right to be poor in this country and get paid for it. And it should be a shame to be poor. It's not something that I'm supposed to be benevolent about and I'm not supposed to be like, oh, I'm so sorry for you because I'm insulting you, basically. Now, if I could give you a job, I should, and I should respect your, your job and pay you, and regardless of whether you're poor or not. Right. But when you, when you enslave someone, I mean, look at what the Democratic Party's just done. We're living in fantastic times. It's probably the best time ever to be an American, not only it's because right? of technology, but because of the liberties that – that we all have, and, uh, and especially for a woman today, you know, a woman is really excelling. She's out graduating uh, in school than men are. It's a great time to be a woman because of innovation it doesn't require so much physical force. Now, you watch the party. Every single one of them. I'm kind of top- copying Ted Cruz last night because uh, he made this point. I mean, these people didn't talk once about jobs. No, they only talked about taxes, about taking your guns about how racist That's we were, fair. and we're in the biggest and greatest economy, and th- all they did was talk about what they thought we didn't have, which was all
3: imaginary. Well, can I ask okay. you something, can Justin?
6: Can uh, I just want to point out, uh, the organization for, for whom I work, the Institute for Justice, we are completely nonpartisan.
0: Yeah, I know. You always and give I us can, that disclaimer. I be,
6: what I can do is, I really want to talk about something you just mentioned, which is the poverty issue, because what I see firsthand as a public interest lawyer who fights against the government, I see... You know, just an unending line of people who want to earn a better life for themselves, who want to start businesses, and it's government getting in the way. And so government really,
0: the way they approach is they break your leg, and then they expect you to thank them for giving you a crutch. You know who else does that? Fidel Castro. Well, he's government.
6: You know, the whole idea of welfare and government handouts and, 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 and payment support, that's outside of my area of expertise. But what is in my area of expertise is that so many people who come to this country, or who are just are, are poor, you know, born in disadvantaged communities in this country, will desperately work, you know, their butts off to better themselves, to build a better life for their families, if the government will just get out of the way? And, and so, you know, that, I think that entrepreneurship should be encouraged. I think if we get rid of many of these arbitrary barriers, and that's what I work to do, uh, you'll be stunned, and everyone will be stunned at first of all just the number of. of of new businesses that help society in general,
0: but second of all, that those new businesses will then help people to escape poverty without the need for government assistance. Well, I'm just I'm just thinking of all all the possibilities that were out there back in 1960. Because well, you know, this bullishness comes across as kind of bravado. You know, I, I don't mean to come across that way, although it's so not what I come across that way. Where it comes from is watching my father, man. My father didn't finish the seventh grade, okay? He he had pretty good English because he came to the United States way before Castro, many times back and forth, back and forth. But he was still 19 when he got here and he already had a child. And my mom was the first cougar. She was five years older than my dad, okay? First. And my father, only in America, would always say, and I'm going to say this in Spanish because I have to repeat what he said, Gracias a Fidel. Thank God for Fidel Castro, because I would have never gotten off my ass if it wasn't for the fact that I was pushed out of Cuba and thrown into the shark-infested waters of pure, unadulterated capitalism, which was the United States. And he left me a considerable fortune, me and my brothers. And he saved and saved and saved and saved and saved. And, saved. and because of that, Blink Radio is in a building he built.
1: There you go. How about That's that? Great.
0: That's, That's great. That's a good story. you should be uh, congratulated for that.
3: That's a
6: wonderful thing. But also... He was able to acquire that money to save
0: oh guess uh, what donald uh, trump, trump made us tax-free yeah,
6: you know that the ability to choose your path choose what occupation you want to pursue choose to, to start a business if you want to uh I, I don't know you know what your dad did for a living
0: but he produce had the freedom to, to pursue it, he, it was pro, he was a he was a produce wholesaler the hardest business to make a living in where everything you buy is rotting
3: Well, yeah right? it's hard but, but he had the
6: freedom to do it and he knew that if you worked to build a better life for
0: his family. Not only that, but look how pure the produce business is mm-hmm. that it's a handshake of someone you've never met, yeah. okay? And you're handshaking over a telex, because we're talking the 60s and 70s. You're handshaking with a farmer who's sending you lots of corn, tomatoes, apples, not knowing who you are, just based on how you paid last time he sent you stuff.
3: That's right. good, and <laughs> actually. They, and they,
0: they would show up in the warehouse. And of course, my father started off with a pickup truck torn out the back seat. Small boxes, you know. And uh, I can send you the story digitally. I wrote it when uh, he pretty good at it uh, the, two hours after he died. So I, I wrote a story that pretty much says it all. But, man, this is a guy who not only did he make it. That's why I don't want to hear about poverty being a right. I'm sorry. Get off of your butt, you know. He not only did that but served in the Reagan administration. Right. You know, it's one of these things you know, that even Reagan looked at him and said, I want you in my administration. I love your English. <laughs> there It yeah, was broken good. English.
3: But let was, me ask you something. Uh, yes. You guys have spoke about a lot of things, but you guys haven't touched yet. The initial thing uh, about the Constitution is life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness, correct? Mm-hmm. When you say life, we're forgetting about life is abortion. Absolutely. The bill, how the bill passes, and we're completely going against our, our yeah. Constitution. So who's enforcing these laws? Because obviously— Guess what? Uh, some things are going for through the not. For the
0: longest time— the only way to pass it the way they did was to dispute what life was. And that's science, right? And now the obvious was always obvious, but now there's indisputable evidence that the child feels pain after the spine is developed. Yep. Twelve weeks. Right. In twelve weeks they feel pain and they start spinning inside. Absolutely. Fighting fighting the, the tools, you know, that's trying right. to demise them. So right now is the moment where is a moment of truth. Will Trump lose the Senate and the House, because of abortion, because we freaked out. I know I know you can't say anything. I know that you're non-partisan. Partisan. By,
3: but you know why? You it? can stay
0: quiet, <laughs> but to, uh, the left knew that their only battle right now is that one, because they know that women might choose between their legs over politics. So that's a big thing, especially with a non-political voter, uh, as many women might be. We don't know that. It's being tested in this election in 2020. The left went overboard with Abortions up until nine months, which is murder. Obviously, franticide. Absolutely. What do we do? Like a bunch of freaks that we are, overzealous freaks on virtues, we went for abortion bans in several states. Mm-hmm. Okay. So now what is it? Do the American people are repulsed by our overreaction or are they repulsed by the nine months franticide? This election will decide if the the country's finally turned the corner about death in the womb. Because imagine, would we have a deficit? You can, ask this, you can answer this one now because it's a mathematical question. Would we have a budget deficit today if 50 more, 54 million people weren't aborted over the course of these years since the 70s and those offsprings of those 54 million paying taxes? Right. Think about that. Wow. Would we be in debt if 54 million people were alive and their children would be alive all paying the taxes? Would we be that much in debt? That's the big magic question. And that's kind of like the scene of omission of like disgusting stuff. You know, today, today I read, I don't know when it happened because I didn't, I saw it in a thumbnail. But t- today, an, an abortionist died in his home, right. in, in his house of Illinois. And no, they found 20 South
1: com- Bend, Indiana, where miles, Mayor other- Pete Bootyway
0: yeah, is okay. mayor. So you jumped the gun on me again. Yes. Okay. All right. God bless you, because I sent it to you this morning, right? No. Okay, so 2,500 baby parts were found, fetuses, wow. in this person's house when he dies. This freaking serial murderer abortionists was taking the bodies home. And that's equal to other serial murders awesome. who take their bodies home. It's pagan worship. And he did it right. all in an abortion clinic in Buttigieg's hometown.
1: Right, and also, about a year ago, there was an attempt to put a pro-life center... In South Bend, Indiana, and Mayor Pete vetoed it.
0: Good. Okay, so now we got to go back to uh, uh, nonpartisan issues.
1: So go ahead, ask another question. Ask your nonpartisan constitutional question.
3: (laughs) Oh, the nonpartisan one. I beg your pardon. Well, I I was speaking about the Constitution because that's what we should follow. I mean, Mm -hmm. this should be a bipartisan conversation anyways, and we'll talk about life and liberty. No,
1: no. The progressive movement is a revolt against the Constitution.
3: Well, too bad they live here, right?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, see, we're partisan as it is. And of course, our caller is quiet. So you got to ask him a question so that he starts breathing again. Well, you know what I can talk about if you don't mind? in the in a few minutes before I called in, I was listening, and, and you mentioned um, the 17th Amendment, um, removing the uh, state oversight of senators, and those are really tied together, right? I mean, for for over half of our nation's history, um, the independent judiciary in this country did a pretty good job. You know, not perfect, obviously. Because I'm not an attorney. Of respecting the limitations on government stated in the Constitution,
6: and then with the rise of the progressive movement. You know, in the late 19th and really early 20th century, there was a concerted push to chip away at those limitations. One of them was the 16th Amendment, which allowed the government to raise its own money through taxes. Another one was the 17th Amendment, which, as you pointed out, removed a restriction on the size of the federal government because obviously it was understood before that point that by having state uh, capital oversight of the, the senators, that would make them jealously protect. the 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 powers of the states against uh, growth by the federal government, and then of course you had the attack on the courts um, during really the height of the progressive era. The FDR's fight with the courts in order to try to get the the judges to not enforce the constitution. Um, And unfortunately, many of those progressive efforts, not all thankfully, but but a substantial enough portion of those were successful. And chipping away at the Constitution and at an independent judiciary to to a, a large enough degree that now we have this giant federal behemoth, um, all because of the you know the lack of respect for the Constitution that
0: was really pushed by the you know the early 20th century progressive movement, and it's what we're still fighting against but today, unfortunately. Don't you feel like the hinge pin of what everything you said was the license to expand government was solely in the hands of the senators? And because they were elected directly by the people and they couldn't be recalled by the states, they just said yes to whatever the House suggested of them. Well, well, so that was definitely a big part. I think it's important to note that the Constitution, the
6: the founders in their wisdom, had many different types of, of barriers they placed in the path of government, all of which had to be removed. That was definitely one of them. But even
0: that alone wouldn't have done it, which is why FDR had that big fight in the 1930s with the Supreme Court. The Warren Court. Reminding him that what he was doing was unconstitutional, and so you know you
6: needed really all of those to be stripped away in order for the progressive movement to do what it did. But but, but the Seventeenth Amendment was definitely one of them. And, and um, if I could go back in time, I would definitely get rid of both the Sixteenth and Seventeenth Amendments.
1: Well, 17th. you you don't have to go back in time because we have a Convention of States movement, and uh that's what we're working. We have fifteen states that have requested Congress to call a convention to consider amendments. So that's on its way.
6: I hear you, Ed, but just always be careful. Remember, the Constitution at its core yeah. is a, a, a tool to protect liberty against the tyranny of the majority. It, it is, at yep. its core, an intentionally anti-democratic document. And any time you open that up to a convention, I'm warning you, you might not like where you end up.
0: Be um, careful what you wish for. It doesn't apply here because there's so many, <laughs> there's so many stopgaps. But that's a good point. It's uh, not so good. It's, not, it's good. The best.
1: The
0: best. Uh, the best. Fear. The best decision is one that's done without fear. And yes, there are plenty of people who uh, imply that you know a convention of the states would be infiltrated by a bunch of numbnuts, but it would still have to be ratified after the fact. Yeah. Like for instance, I, I I'll give you this. I mean, I'm not a uh, supporter of your argument because I have no fear for those things. Because at this point, I fear uh, an incredibly runaway government, which we presently have. Right. So I don't fear a runaway convention, because it can't happen, really, because you still have to be ratified. We
1: already have a runaway convention. It's a president with a phone and a pen. We have the Congress abdicating its obligations. We have the judiciary uh, legislating from the bench. And then we have this extra-constitutional administrative state making up all the regulations, enforcing their own regulations, and acting as judge in their own case.
0: Jeez, you sound... All true. All true. And,
6: and listen, you know I get where you're coming from, but, and I, I, I hope you're right. I do. Um, but as bad as things
0: are, things are still pretty good in this country, and I'd be a little hesitant to do something that could make things worse. It's not good back. enough, okay? All there's right. a, There's well, an income tax. I, I, and, I hope you're right. All righty. Well, th- thank you very much for your call. It was awesome. Thank you, Justin. Don't, don't make it sure. so, don't, you know, you know. don't spread out your visits. For, you know, it was the last time was like six months ago, right, or more? Uh, I've been busy. I, we didn't talk about any of my cases. But well, you be we'll, you my well, you know what
1: Ed says? We'll get you back. We'll get you back for more cases on suing the government.
0: Okay, so you weren't ambushed by me, right? Because Ed says that when we lose guests, it's because I ambushed them. Is that true? Thank you very much. Thank you, Justin. Take care.
3: Take care. Bye-bye.
0: <laughs> okay, but I ambushed Chris Ann.
1: You absolutely First, did.
0: I'm sorry, Ann, but you know, I'm a little bit tired <laughs> of the same old song and dance. Are we going to solve this problem or are we just going to dance about the problem? And you guys have a tendency to dance.
1: Absolutely. A lot We're of lawyers. We're good. paid by the hour, so we a dance of, by the hour.
0: Yes, exactly. <laughs> uh, what's uh, what's happening, I wrote a book for you all since you just met me. You didn't write a book. Huh? He, yeah, I wrote a book. He has ideas. I wrote a book. It's It's different. It's, he, unless, it's, unless he sees it in paperback, like that he can read and smell it at Barnes and Noble, which from, it's going to happen soon. Um, but it is free online and it's you know 400 pages. It's there. You can read the whole damn thing. What is the name? It's called thefiscals.com. Oh. Lo Fiscales, pero Fiscals with an S, not ES. Okay, so I'm asking for the reinvention of the United States. I'm not really, I could care less about what you think we need to do. I could care less. What I do is prepared to tell you in half the book of why I'm doing this. Oh. And you can see all the stupidities one after another. And I get into the, the weeds there for half the book. And it's one giant introduction, half the book. Then I hit you with the reinventions. Okay, one of them was something that became in the national news. And none of these people want to uh, credit me with this. And I'm cracking up because it was the it was the southern border wall that Mexico would pay
3: for oh I saw that I saw that okay I saw it's you. right there behind yeah. you
0: that's the wall that America that Mexico would pay for and and they took it to him and Trump said and I had given it to Ted Cruz and I told him look Ted as my shirt says I was Ted's I drove Ted around in Miami and I opened up his office. So here. who do
1: you think has more wisdom, experience, me. knowledge? Me. Ted Cruz me. or Manuel Cambo no. from no. Kiva's Game. Mac on the Rock. Mac on the Rock. This
3: is radio.
0: Okay, so think Don't about... Don't
3: me in that situation. <laughs> and
0: I come from blue blood, by the way. It's Catalan.
3: That's okay. good. Yeah, Catalan. You can tell. Oh, yeah.
0: Okay, but think about that wall. Instead of being a stupid wall that we've been fighting over for how long now? And the billions it costs. How about quadrupling it by 10 okay, and building a wall that becomes an infrastructure that competes with the Panama Canal? Where,
1: where in the Constitution does the train. federal government that have the power to build this wall?
0: The Federal Powers Act. Ask me another question.
1: Federal Powers Act? What is that?
0: That allows us...
1: I said in the Constitution.
0: Uh, secu- it, secure it, the border.
1: National security? Absolutely. National defense. That's okay. it.
0: Ends that story. Now... The wall itself has a natural gas pipeline in it. Now it applies the Federal Powers Act of the 1960s that allows you to trespass Indian reservations because it's gas. It's utility. Okay? Eminent yeah, right.
1: domain. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah. Okay.
0: okay. And then Mexico will pay for it. Why? Because the train doesn't have people in it. It has cargo in it. And it drops off cargo. So now cargo becomes the major employer, not the drug gang. Okay. So the train drops off cargo on both sides of the border. So the cities are created wherever the train lowers itself from 50 feet down to ground level to unload. So now you're securing just the entry areas because you ain't jumping over this thing. Just think of a giant Y with a train centered in it, right. and natural gas powering it. Plus the power, the gas is also exporting to port, uh, Pacific Ocean and, Pacific. The Gulf of, the, and the Gulf of Mexico. Yeah, But you're encouraged to drop off your cargo in San Diego instead of sitting 15 days in, in the in the... Panama Canal, you come to the United States, you drop it off in of San Diego, rush in 10 hours to the other side of the country and pick it up again in in Gulf of Mexico, and all those days, of 14 days in the canal, you're now making up going through the Gulf back to Europe.
3: I just, like that idea. Okay,
0: $560 Wow,
3: down. this is amazing.
0: $560 billion it would cost, my estimation, okay? It would employ millions of people, it would change the way we do business in this country, Absolutely. It's natural gas, so all the truckers get screwed because now they're going north, south to north, north to south, not east to west, which right. is a longer trek. Okay. And the liberals have to buy into it because it's natural gas, it's not trucks.
1: No, well, they don't like natural gas either. Yeah, of course. Fossil fuel.
0: Yeah, they only want, the, uh, the, remember how they love the birds? The, yeah, the famous no, yeah. Absolutely. Now yeah. they love the windmill that kills all their birds.
1: And the, the, uh, Solar panels. That's why also, I call them
0: bipolar in my book.
1: Solar panels also kill argue, birds. The, the way to Try argue them.
0: with a, with a liberal is to argue like I do. Offend them because they're wrong. Period. It's not about let's get, let's meet halfway. Halfway's got us here. The, right. the middle's brought us right into deficit spending. Is true? The middle has got the majority in the middle. Poor as hell. Nobody lives more than a paycheck or pay, paycheck away from bankruptcy. If you're uh Ed said you're one social security check away from uh find another place to live. Yeah. the cable bill's gone uh Social security only pays for a cable bill. The average person gonna get from Social security what twelve hundred dollars a month maybe based on forty five thousand dollar annual salary throughout the course of your life it's it's a racket it's a scam the whole well, this thing... is
3: a great project and you Senate yes.
0: and you know what and you know what Ted cruz said to me what uh how how do you expect me to be a maverick and pass something like that? I go, well, obviously from the Senate chair because you're not going to win the presidency because you don't have a... <laughs> no. And he sat back in the back of his Yukon and got on a plane and said goodbye. I'm going to show you the video when we're done here. Oh, hasn't talked to him since. No. <clears throat> and when I when I gave it to Kellyanne Conway, who was with Ted Cruz first, she knew who I was because I mentioned the names that are important back behind the campaign. So she knew the names, I knew the names. When I said the names, she said, oh, you're Ted Cruz too? I go, "Yes, yeah, so were you. No one knows that about her—that she's a spokesperson for Trump, but she was a tech cruiser during the campaign. Yeah,
1: well, I was a cruiser too before I became a trumpista.
0: Yes, and I and they she uh, they say I don't know that she I gave her that poster uh, on the beach literally, and I go take this to Trump. That's fine. And I was told that Pence loved it, and Trump said that can't be completed while I'm here. Gone, dead.
3: Right there. No way. I don't believe that. I really don't believe it.
0: That's a story, but he did repeat it in the campaign. Mexico will pay for it. That's the only thing that Mexico can pay for. And I was so excited. I don't think
3: it was presented to him. He, he would love that.
0: Okay. Well, take it to him. The Venezuelan. Take it to him. Yes. Take it to him. <laughs> and say, and, I, have, to and I have all these other reinventions in the book. That's just one chapter. That's
1: yeah, the book cool. is coming.
3: That is nice. No, the, the book is not coming.
1: Oh, no.
0: Online, it's alive. It's alive online, it, but it's
1: it's it's a living book because Face it's changing it. why all why the time. Why don't you just
0: admit that you don't have internet at home and you can't read the book? Go oh, ahead.
1: Okay. Yes.
0: Or Katrina doesn't allow you to watch the. Internet. I don't
1: mind. I don't mind. <laughs> but let me. Okay. So but let you me. You
3: can read the book. You should do audible.
1: Today is uh, like that. Constant, well. Once it's yeah, quick, you should read. We want to have the uh, the audible book. You're right. The audio book. You what? Once you finish the book, you should the book is, read is finished. It. Read it. Then you should read it. What delayed then we can the, what listen delayed the while book? We're the
0: book was written in 2012, 13, way before Trump even ran for president. That wall's been in my head since 13 or 14. That's okay. wonderful. Okay, uh, I didn't, you know, didn't even know Trump was alive. Um, but what delayed the book was a lawsuit that I was participating at the federal level for the school thing I did, and I wanted to include in the book the results of it. I had to wait for the to see if the federal if it went through one level of federal court system. And I got slammed in the second level. We lost. And I, now I have, can honestly say we lost because everybody's on the take in this town. And it's the saddest thing. And it was would have been No, a, you
1: had a bad case. Huh? You had a weak case in the federal court because the superintendent is authorized to do what he did, unfortunately.
0: Yes. He was authorized to screw two principals because right. they were employees of his. And I was the lead witness. Yep. Instead of being the protagonist— because I lost my freedom of speech, as they did, but I should have taken on the case. And yeah, they, should but have they were employees, to me. so
1: they didn't have any. Right. Yeah.
0: So I waited for that to play out, and I have this one year to file this. This is the last year I can file my civil rights case, and it's very possible that I do it if David Bossie and his boys take on my case, because to take it to the Supreme Court, you got to have yeah. about half a million dollars easily. So I'm willing to go there because the judge, in my case, Acknowledged the abuse, my abuse, and it was uh, Obama's first black gay federal judge.
1: Even he acknowledged
0: it. How poetic is that? He so there you left. go.
1: You have a case.
0: Yeah, and he acknowledges on page six and seven of the Never King Cooper so case. So you, so
1: you're saying you have a civil rights claim against the Dade County Public Schools?
0: Yes, that illegal immigrant named superintendent. That's good. I, I wish you the best. Yeah. Now, that was a delay in printing the book. So now that that's been resolved, we've lost officially. Uh, we are now going through the process of fixing my typos, which yeah. is what an editor does. Yep. So did you find typos online? No, no, no I didn't find he, any typos. he hasn't even gone online. See? This is a guy who's a co-host of my show. <laughs> he sounds like, you know, quicksand conservative, not concrete conservative. Because he just won't read. He just won't read. He's not a man of ideas. He's a, I a man. read.
1: Huh? I speed read. You speed read. I speed read it. He yeah. reads
0: by the hour only. Unless he can touch a little button under the table like attorneys do, they start reading, they press the button because they're going to clock you and bill you, You won't read. And I won't pay him to read. Absolutely not. And ironically, the person who's editing my book is an attorney. Oh, oh. oh.
1: Hey. Top secret. He's
0: waiting on the line. Shh. My God. Okay, so my special guest, is there anything else would you like to say other than, would you like me to hear a rant of what I did in uh, 2000? Dime. ranting, screaming, and yelling at Venezuelans in this freaking town of mine from the bottom of my hardware store because we own the hardware store below here, and I'm sitting there screaming at you people from the register, willing to lose U.S. customers. Oh yeah, come bola, tu no ves que Chavez un comunista. Oh, and yeah. they would say to my face, and I'm telling you with all honesty and with great shame for you, for all of all of you. Ustedes son unos exagerados que ven los comunistas detrás de cada árbol. And yo digo, mongo es detrás de todos los bosques.
3: No, no, no. They're no, everywhere. Who told you that? My all Lord. of them
0: over and over again, over and over again. And it started in '99, but I didn't have an opinion in '99 because I go, "Oh, we heard that." <laughs>
1: no, but we Ch- said it right from the get. Go- oh clear. my God, Ch- Chavez was in the coup in February of uh, '92, just like Moncada. So we already knew it, he was a commie. Yeah,
3: yeah. Well, he didn't fool everybody. A lot of people he fooled, but it's true. Uh, what percent? Eighty twenty. <sighs> and he didn't fool. No, around you know, from the people I know, most people knew.
0: And the only thing to solve the problem there. Is that once he made the mistake, which was uh, attacking El Palacio, you had an obligation to kill him.
1: Yeah, in 2002, because there died, was a, died. a coup I, against him. I agree. Him. People and, died and, in the in
0: an absolutely. attack. Absolutely, and you they had to be executed. They, that's Mira, when they, they should have, have terminated
1: Fidel. him. They huh? should have killed him.
0: Right there, right there. In 2002, and we were screaming at the top of our lungs. And uh, what was the gentleman's name who uh, did the coup? And un um, millonario que ahora está viviendo aquí en Kendall. Él andaba aquí en Quebec que que la agarró a Chávez lo puso, lo puso una base Somers y Bush la caga Bush yeah, is no. the one who said Arr.
1: yeah Bush screwed up he and screwed up, then up big time Carter also and when the guys, election he you certified. guys also
0: made the mistake of asking the United States
3: you're asking for them for... well because they sent Carter <laughs> no no well, that, that was after that's, that's,
1: that was after well, that's...
3: Well, they sent the wrong no people but in here. April
1: of '02 there was a coup yeah they had him in prison cómo they se llamaba el him que lo hizo
3: no, they
0: should have hung him from the helicopter and in Caracas and Casalcillo there, so you guys would all see him hanging upside down. Gosh, um, yeah. Yeah, and if you don't, look at the result.
1: Yeah, you have to do it.
0: You just, uh, I mean, we we went through all that. I mean, not we, he,
3: or not even you. No, he was born here. No, I, no, really I was born Oh, here. yeah, he came after, yeah.
1: I was nine years old.
0: That's correct.
3: Yeah, so, yeah. you know, he, he, he... But you know what? This is happening here in the United States, too. You, you know what's happening here. People don't believe it. You guys are exaggerating. This is not going to happen here. So people no, don't I agree. believe it or not believe it. Well, Look the,
1: at uh, Andrew Gillum. If he had been right? elected, he Shh. was a total socialist. And that he lost by, what, 40,000 votes? That would have been a real I mess think it was for
0: less.
3: Florida. I think, I think it was yeah. less. I think that it was huge. 20, 25, 26. That
1: would, that would have been a big, big mess for Florida and for the U.S.
3: We're very close, so we're not too far. Well, the,
0: the, 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 the difficulty with the United States... On falling into that kind of mayhem is something that we don't really talk about all the time, but we should. What's different between um, all the countries of Latin America and the United States is we are really armed. Yes. The American people are sickly armed. Right. 480 million weapons in private hands.
1: I have a shotgun. <laughs> Not very good at shooting it. Yes.
0: Yeah. But... I know. A- and, and the American people- That's good. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> the American people thing. are are more than happy. And there's um, lo- lots of millions of people who practice. Right. They smell gunpowder once or twice a month. I mean, we smell it. You know what I mean? It's not real John Wayne's out there. And they're willing to die if you knock on the door and ask them for their gun. They'll go to, they're going to yeah, fly that's it.
1: Gonna I, can, I think Yeah, that's not going to
3: happen. Yeah, but you don't want to get to that level, no, right? Well, no. We, we don't want just to in get case. to that level. It's
0: not, it's not true. The minute you say that, the government thinks they can go. You have to let them know we're willing to get to that
3: level. Yeah. Oh we're, of course we're willing. We say they we say totally it all the time. not.
0: Look what happened uh, in uh, Nevada. Remember the the a cattle rancher yeah. for so many years was his cattle was doing the government a favor eating the grass in a in a in a in a park. Some idiot came and another idiot and another idiot what? out of jealousy said no we, you have to pay us rent on all those acres. I go. My father and my grandfather were eating on that farm before this was a state. Wow, okay, yeah. so don't tell me I got to all of a sudden start paying you. You guys passed along. But rate. that's
1: an example of the administrative state. All these regulatory bureaucrats, you know, enforcing. Well, they came to
0: take his cows. Yeah, so they took. I think. Uh, I think they took a hundred or a thousand cows. His neighbors <laughs> came and uh, with on their horses and their guns. And they unleashed a barrage of bullets on top of the Hummer that he had to make a use. And
3: what happened to that case? I heard it. but two,
0: I two of them were killed. Later, they went down and took the park ranger station. They held it under siege. Now they're holding the whole federal park under siege. And the federal government connived them into giving up their weapons. Yeah. So they kind of agreed. They never gave up the weapon. They drove off. Okay. And there they went and took them out. Wow. You send a message to all of us that if you stand up against us, we'll eventually take you. But what does that tell the rest of the people? Oh, we don't we don't give them up next yeah, time. Yeah, you don't give them up. Hell no. Never give them up. Wow. So as soon as, what's really unfortunate about in the case of Venezuela and, and, and Cuba, in and Cuba it was proximity. And Cuba was the stupidity of uh, Barack Obama of his time, John F. Kennedy. So you had a lot of stup- yeah. stupid people, but the, the Cuban people were pretty stupid themselves. La envidia. And we were only... Well,
1: that's a Latin cultural, political culture. Yeah, that la is envidia, daily. la movida,
0: el cuano es muy envidioso. So, una falta que hasta hoy día lo tienen. Es una enfermedad que no tiene cura. You know, it's one of those things. Um, but we were a super young country that had too many dictators in the 40-something years. Same as this country in the first 40 years. I mean, Washington, Adams... Madison, Jefferson, they were all buddies and they're all elected president one after another. Like, come on, man. Yeah. <laughs> so it's kind of like dictators, but they gave up power, as the Constitution said. Right. Who the hell was counting these votes back then anyway? Was like, how are you? Come on. Right. But in Cuba, it was really Guardillo. you know, take the money and run and this and that. And the proximity of the United States made it kind of easy for Cubans to uh, take for granted their freedoms because they you know, thought the Americans were going to show up. Okay. So... I'm not saying it less or more, but you all with the natural resource of petroleum, it's a, a cardinal sin for the wealthy people not to have paid an armed militia to take everybody out. Uh, just bloodshed.
1: No, but there's take no Chavez, there's friends, no civic spirit among the wealthy uh, Venezuelans. Yeah. I, I I've done deals in 1991. I, I was the lawyer uh, leading the team that privatized Cantebe. and so we got a lot of Venezuelan uh, clients. And we we're doing securities transaction, international offerings. And I sent an associate, a, a group of associates to do due diligence in the company. And they were looking at their taxes if they paid their taxes. And one the one of the sons of the ownership family said, no, no, uh, we don't pay taxes. Only solamente pendejos pagan impuestos. That's the wrong. That's you can't thoughtful. do that. That's, yeah. You have to respect the rule of law. If you think the taxes are too high, you, you, you uh, go and, and change the law. But you don't just not, don't pay taxes. And also, never, disrespect. never,
0: ever, ever let the government nationalize your natural resources. Oh, right.
1: Resources. Pe- oh, Pe- oh, Pe- oh, Pe- should not have been nationalized. Not. But see, for example, right now, that's why I've been telling her, right now the battle in Venezuela is socialist versus communist. Guaido is just as much of a socialist as uh, Maduro. It's just that Guaido is not in power. Guaido will not that's commit... That's a stretch. Guaido will not commit... To it is privatizing Peter, it's a evaluation. stretch because I
0: mean you can. You know when you when you when you do it elastic like that, you're like Kellyanne. Well, yeah, you're kind of lazy. The argument, you know, you can't. You guys just can't keep on repeating this stuff and expect a different result. Okay,
1: my my argument will be in the Washington Times this week.
0: Okay, and I will I will be commenting, <laughs> and I will blast the hell well, out. Of well, you, we'll have you to. Don't... I'll
1: see if I can get Cheryl Chumley to call us back. Oh, that's
0: a perfect segue for. What I told our owner of the Miami Dolphins because I'm a season ticket holder since 1970.
1: All right, we're so, going to go to the Dolphins. And my, they're hopeless.
0: It is <laughs> nine, because if you want to do truth to power, we're going to do truth to power.
1: What 1972? They were they they were undefeated, and now this year they're going to they're going to be I, winless.
0: Time out. Your opinion is not valid because I watched the 72 season. Okay. All right. So here we go. Um. I got to get my glasses, and I'm just really upset. Okay, so I say, first of all, his name is Steve Ross, and Steve Ross is the Related Group, the Related companies. George Perez, is the Related. That's the man behind George Perez and these real estate developments here in Miami. Okay, so the person, um, very limited amount of time in South Florida as a kid, but basically made his money in New York, and he did a lot of lower-income housing and then he eventually did the yards.
1: He just did the Hudson Yards, okay, which is a very Okay, but after the
0: end of his development career, he did right. the high and mighty stuff. Like Trump, his father did the low-income stuff, right. and he told his dad, Dad, give me a loan, and let's go primetime. And then Trump did the lavish stuff. But Dad had done the low-income stuff. Right. Well, Steve Ross is that kind of person. Oh. So I say to him, after all these years of being a student ticket holder, older, and I'm really pissed off because he sucks, okay? Dear Steve Ross... First, you bring a New York Jet general manager. New York Jets is the team we hate the most. Yeah. (laughs) And then you fire him after the obvious because everybody knows that anybody from that organization sucks. Then you deny me the right to renew my season tickets. Mm. Like so many other season ticket holders between the 30-yard lines, you sacrifice us all to create something called the 72 Club without having to pay 15 times what we were paying from $100 to $1,500 a game. So I could not really do. Then you bring in a bunch of Patriot coaches and they tank the team. Oh, gosh. We've been rebuilding, Mr. Ross, since 1984. Changing the wallpaper on the Hardup Stadium does not hide the fact that you're an awful team owner and you have not hired a decent coach since you've owned this team. They're not charismatic. They're not leaders. And maybe this is all about the reality that I gave away my tickets yesterday because I didn't want to see the Miami miracle of last year turn into the Miami massacre of this year. And I was right. So if we only win one game and we don't win the second game, I will not renew my tickets. That was a family heirloom since 1970. And by the way, when Joe Robbie owned the team... My family fed the team from 1970 to 1984 as a produce wholesaler, and we gave you the best we had and the best we can find. You have not done so. I want a divorce. I'm taking a knee. And then I I do a video without any sound.
3: Good for you.
0: I do a little video here that you can see. No sound. Rest in peace, go to hell.
3: Oh, my God, that's so good.
0: So with that, I will end this show. 43 to nothing, yeah. Good
3: for you, man. I'm proud of you. Freaking
0: 102? And we scored oh, 10 in the last two awful. games. It's awful. That is the most disgusting yeah, just, thing I've ever seen. It's just the beginning,
1: you know. You're going to go 0-16. And,
0: and yes, then I will not renew. And I'll Absolutely. just give up. liking so football. Sad. I will stop watching TV. I just uh, My sons are already oh. telling me, uh, who I kept these tickets for. He's 27 years old. And he said to me yesterday, I have a, guess what? My son's an attorney. I want to so by the way, full confession, my son's an attorney. So oh. I can criticize attorneys because, <laughs> you know. All right. So he said, look, I have a trial this week and I I, I, I need this Sunday to prepare. I go, you just don't want to see the massacre. And he goes, I didn't say that. I said I had a trial this week, classic attorney. I go, you can't charge me by the hour. And he didn't go. Can you believe it? I said to myself, what the hell am I keeping these tickets for? You know, I have a daughter. Eh, she's yeah, she's got a couple of games, you know. But so, you know what? I'm not going to, I don't think I'm going to lose sleep. I was speaking to someone today who left four years ago when he, when the, that skyrise increase in, in tickets. And guess what? They, they moved me from my tickets 30 to 30. I was on the heated side. The sun was in my face for 30 something years, always wanting to be on the dolphin side. Because I was at the, I was on the visitor side in the Orange Bowl too, which was unbelievable. It was a metal, a metal stadium. you I wanted to be, no, I wanted to see the drama behind the bench. Marino okay. you know, used to throw the
3: ball. And rip the Orange Bowl in. was fun.
0: It was incredible. The building would shake. Yeah. Okay. But I, I, look how nasty you were, Steve Ross. I'm on the thirty-eight. Okay. He connives me. says, I want to be in the back. And I'm saying, you know, it's his people, but it's like him. Okay. They moved me to the 50. I'm like, okay, well, if I can't be on the Dolphin side, I'll accept being on the 50 from the 38. Because I had all my, I have four seats. So I had them all together. And I've always wanted them front and back. Okay. So that I can engage with the person I'm inviting. Because the fourth person I never even speak to. Never. Yeah, that's a good
3: idea. So
0: I wanted to be in front and back. That's very hard to find. But I got that today. Anyway, I'm in the 50-yard line. So when I go to Renew on electronic day, in front of the electronics... My seats are gone. They're already taken. No. And I said, wait a second. What's going on here? The 72 Club that I mentioned in the letter gets to be on this side because it's not 72 Club if they can't afford the $1,500 a game. When the hell can you afford $1,500 a game? That's the difference between putting your kid in college and not.
4: Absolutely.
0: Imagine for the rest of your life you're paying that. That's what you pay in tuition, for Christ's sake. $1,500 a game times 10 games? No. What's going on with these people? It's disgusting. And all these people have done this up in the north where Washington, Washington Redskins, uh, the New York Giants, the Chicago Bears, 30-year waiting list to be a, a season ticket holder. This, that's why I said this is the city of pretenders.
3: Right, we come on. How can, you, how
0: can you do this here? Okay, so, well, Mr. Grammer, we've got a solution for you. Uh, you're invited to come on a private showing so-and-so day. So I show up there. Well, private <laughs> showing is everybody from 1970. <laughs> and I get to finally get these seats that I wanted right there and but they were on the goal line the next year they call me again mr cam i know you're you know you're not you can't, you're not very happy with being on the goal line we've got row two and i jump at it row two and row three. Oh my god what a sucker job that was <laughs> i sit there i'm not on row two everybody loves to go to the game with me because i'm in row two this and this and that oh my god i can't see the game the players are standing up. Oh. They're standing up. They show the whole game is a, oh. an army of big, very, very, very athletic people. I made no reference to anything. Okay, standing there and I couldn't see the game. Okay, then when they the game finally comes to me on the twenty-yard line, right in front of my face, the freaking Monday Night Football cameras right in front of me, the thing that moves on the wheels, and I'm just screaming. The only the only reality I had was that during the presidential election, since I'm right by the camera guy, I was able to stand up and I had a dolphin shirt on. As soon as the camera was looking at me, Hillary
4: oh, sucks. Yeah.
0: I lifted on my shirt and fifty thousand people saw Hillary sucks, <laughs> so did the rest of the United I love States. It. Hillary sucks I moved the camera's too late. <sighs> and then I moved back up to where I am now. Right below Low. where I should be. Below Try the, the Mi-
1: University of Miami Hurricanes. They have a good head coach, Manny Diaz, and uh, they're going to they're come back. Try them.
3: We, lo- we won last game.
1: Against Bethune-Cookman.
3: <laughs> okay, I didn't want you to tell me that Ladies more.
0: and gentlemen, that's the end of my rant. And this is the concrete conservative. You can't get more conservative than that. I'm even a conservative. Season <laughs> ticket holder. And Steve Ross, by the way, is a Democrat who happens to like Trump, but he's still a Democrat.
1: He held a fundraiser for the Trumpster.
0: So stay free, my friends. We'll be back in a moment. Uh, I think we're going to be listening to YouTube because, you know, I got some pride. Stay free. If you like our programming on WSQF 94.5 in Key Biscayne, you can also hear us very far away nationwide, WSQFradio.com. And if you like our audio files and our subject matter, subscribe to YouTube Mac on the Rock Rampage. Take care and stay free.